podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show. It's great to be back. Well, 3-1 it finished against Crystal Palace, but I'll tell you what, the results certainly, certainly flatters the the performance. Um, plenty to talk about and um, I'm actually really excited about the guests I've got on today. You know, it feels like a proper retro kind of podcast. Um, I'm going to introduce my guests. I'm really excited about speaking to these two awesome gents and hopefully we'll have them um, uh, a caller or two as well. So you know what? Without further ado, let me introduce the excellent panel. First up, a bit of a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show, but it's great to have him on. He's awesome. It is the cool, calm K Kalon Kareem. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Nina. I don't know how calm I'm gonna to be today. I'm still shaking after that. <laughs> I know, I know. You know what? What an absolute hot mess. And you know what? For anyone who's, who doesn't listen on Discord, Kay likes to be a little bit fashionably late, but because of the co the co panelist with him, he came legging it today. And you know what? I am so excited. The OG Anfield Index people will know this guy. He's awesome. He's incredible. One of the first contributors to the AI podcast as well. He's making his return. Um, I'm I get the bragging rights to reintroduce him again. It is Mr. Marco Lopez. Welcome back. Thanks, Nina. Thank you so much. And hello to everybody. Uh, and I don't think I'm the reason Kellen's early. He's just needs to talk about that hot mess, as you said. Well, you know what? Let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. We do have a caller lined up. But before we get anywhere, I mean, I guess I just want to get your kind of reactions um, from that. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty to talk about. But Marco, I'll come to you first. I mean... Team lineup. Um, uh, pretty much, how were you feeling about that? It's as you expect. the The team is pretty much a reflection of mm -hmm. what's available at the moment, so you can't yeah. really question it too much. Uh, I I was happier to obviously see Curtis Jones in midfield. I was worried that there was going to be a bit of a a combination of Milner, Henderson, Fabinho, which mm -hmm. just doesn't work in my opinion. Nope. Uh, so so that was obviously at least something. Uh, and let's be clear, for the first sort of 35, 40 minutes, it seems to work. Uh, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We certainly will. We certainly will. We've got plenty to talk about. And what about you, Kay? I mean, you were talking about relief there and, you know, just like glad that's over with. But your your thoughts on uh, just how you're feeling right now, you know? I mean, it was such a... Watching that unfold was such a thing. I mean, just, you know... I, I like to kind of try very hard to maintain a neutral perspective if I can watching the game, not in terms of, uh, you know, watching the goals go in or anything, just in terms of understanding the game state. And as it unfolds, like Liverpool go 2-0 up and I'm looking at Palace and I'm thinking, you know, this is a, this is a good side. Palace are a good side. They're 2-0 down, yes, and we have absolutely played so well. It looks like one of these days Liverpool is just going to go and Palace is there absolutely sticking to their principles, like playing the ball out, playing the ball through the midfield. And you just get the sense that they believe in what they're doing and, and how they're going about it. And I'm, I'm putting in the WhatsApp groups and I'm saying like, look at this, like Palace are a really well, well managed side. Look how well they're coached. Like I'm, I'm quite excited to see what Vieira does. And I, I didn't mean immediately, bro. I didn't mean like, do it right then because one tactical change and everything imploded. And we just did not get back into the game again. It felt like we were running in mud all of the time. And watching it was like a horror show happening in slow motion, but in absolute real time. Oh, man, I'm so happy it finished. 
<laughs> I know the relief, right? I mean, obviously last week we played Brentford. I'll get to my first call in a minute. And uh, I had John Buskell on and obviously we beat Brentford. It, it looked pretty comfortable again, but he was like, and now we've got Palace, it's good that, you know, the lads that have gone to AFCON, you know, that these games, they should be winnable. We should be, we should manage okay. And he was like, you really think so? Hmm? Are you that confident? And I was like, be quiet, John. You're not me the epitome of positivity. <laughs> and I'm sat there thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he, he clearly knew something that I didn't know, you know? And, um, but, and anyway, not relief, relief, relief. Um, but it has overall been a pretty decent result, all things considered, with Man City dropping points as well. And we've got a game in hand. We'll, we'll talk about the game. Um, we do have a caller. It's a bit of a familiar voice on the Nina Kowser show. <laughs> he always starts off the callers. Hopefully, he inspires others to call it. It's Kieran. Welcome back, Kieran. Thank you. It's, well, it's great to have you back on, Kieran. Uh, thank you. The floor's yours, my friend. Um, <clears throat> it was very much a game of two halves, really. I thought... Um... Hmm. Up until we went uh, two 0 up, we just lost the plot a bit, and and uh, you know, second half was it was torture at times, and you know, you have to give credit to Palace. You know, they played very, very well. You know, and um, you know, and we were we really were on the ropes, and you know, we were just you know they were getting every second ball. You know, nothing was going our way, and then we get the penalty, and then. I, in my opinion, I think it's a bit soft, if I'm being brutally honest. But I think what I think obviously that penalty obviously then just counts us all down, and the Reds get a massive three points. Absolutely. Any more points and thoughts you'd like to share before I go back to the panel? Um. No, I think that's about it. I think you've pretty much summarised and nailed everything in 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 one call there, Kieran. So thank you so much for that. Um, hopefully you can go back to enjoying what's left of your weekend. Thank you so much for calling. All right, thank you. Bye. Thank you. Yep, I think um, guys, there, Kieran's um, made some sound points there, and I think you know, I think we're all feeling that way. And Marco, I'm going to come to you because obviously I spoke to you about the team lineup and. Liverpool definitely started, you know, with, with intensity, with purpose. I felt like we were attacking, we were creating a lot. I mean, we started off really good and, of course, you know, threatening on set pieces and, you know, Virgil van Dijk with a bullet header. But, I mean, talk to me about the first half because I did feel like we were definitely, I think Kieran's on, definitely spot on here because I do feel like we started the game off with purpose. It was almost like we've seen the results with Man City we know what we have to do. Um, maybe there was a, a, a bounce from uh, the, the, you know, the, the Reds making the final in, in the pointless Carabao Cup, which I absolutely love right now because we made a final. Came in with lots of confidence. And I just, I mean, talk to me about that because it really was a tale of two very different halves. But for me, I probably wouldn't say it was the full 45 minutes. I must say about just after we scored, because we started having some brain fart moments in the second half. I mean, Alison was pretty, um, pretty incredible in the second half to keep us, you know, in this. I'd say Alison was probably my man of the match, to be honest, because yep. there's some really big saves he makes in the first half as well. Which, to be honest, if any one of those goes in, it changes the game already. So I think, to a large extent, Liverpool were quite lucky, just because Palace were lining up very narrow. Their back line was almost trying to stick very close within the edges of their box, which was a bit of a weird choice just because it played into what uh, Robbo and Trent wanted to do. And that was probably the most significant change between the two halves is that all of a sudden those two didn't get in those advanced positions like you wanted them to, which is why Liverpool just weren't uh, anywhere near as threatening. Right? So really, I think that's that's what it comes down to. You've, you, uh, Liverpool sort of... Uh, yeah, you can sort of criticize game management and so forth. But I think, unfortunately, just like uh, Caitlin hinted, uh, it does seem like this very sort of childish, easy sort of tactical switch that Vieira made. But it's kind of true. Uh, it was that simple. And and it's just that I think to a large extent, Liverpool get through just by the strength of really good players and just sort of being a better team, which there's, there's worse things to have in, in the Liverpool locker, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kay, you know, we were watching that game. We were a bit nervous. We were a bit tense, certainly in the second half. I decided to go on 
to Twitter to get some kind of, I don't know, comfort or are people feeling what I'm feeling? And I came across a tweet and I can't think who tweeted it. So if you're listening, please, um, uh, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what you can wrote. Someone goes, this feels like the 7-2 against Aston Villa, but Alison's in Nets. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so oh, interesting. Yeah, the the defence was just, oh, it was just chaos. I mean, talk to me about maybe the, the contrast in terms of how composed and in control we looked. And then literally, I don't know what we were doing. I mean, what did Jurgen Klopp not say to them at half time? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I think what happened is in the first like 35 minutes or so, we were moving the ball so well. It was so fast. And, and Palace, it's not like they were playing badly. But they just couldn't really get close to the ball. We were moving the yeah. ball far, far too well for them to be able to do really anything about it. It actually looked like such a well-oiled machine just performing at such a height, you know, at at that time. And then, I, I, like I'm, you know, I don't really want to signal players out for the entire performance, but it it feels like sort of Matip just opens the door in that second half with that uh, with that straight pass. And I think the rest of the, the first half, sorry, uh, the rest of the first half, I think Jürgen Klopp looks at that and goes, well, there's a couple of individual mistakes. That's fine. It's a bit of complacency creeping in. I'll give these guys a talk, refocus them. I'll make a substitute a bit later and, and, and see where we go to. And I think that's why we come out in the second half sort of in the same way and Vieira sort of gets one up on us and the whole the whole dynamic changes. Jurgen Klopp is not often uh, kind of super proactive in his changes in terms of, you know, something has gone wrong. He expects people on the field to sort those problems out quite a lot of the time. And I just wonder, you know, I, I kind of wonder looking at the midfield role in this without, without having to really... Uh, point the finger at anybody in particular, I wonder if our eights have too much to do to solve the problem themselves. I, I understand the argument of perhaps they don't have the inherent skill set in themselves, the ability in themselves to do it. I, I don't buy that. Um, mm. You know, it, it might be a couple things of age and player profile and all that kind of thing. But I think that the plays that we have are good enough to enact solutions in particular ways and they don't because they've got something else to do. You know, um, and we, we can maybe get into it later. I'd love to know you and Rocco's thoughts on that, though, um, and, and discuss it a little bit later. Do, you know, does our midfield have too many instructions, very specific instructions to go? Because in the second half, the way the defense was isolated, the way the midfield didn't track the runs until much later in the game, it was very worrying. You know, do they specifically need to receive an instruction? Because you can't have a two on one on Ali. That, that that was crazy. You know what needs to happen for for that to to this group? and then for a spate of big chances, Taranov without the midfield really reacting to that, it really makes you wonder. Because any midfielder could look at that and say, "Hey, you know something's wrong here. I need to drop back. I need to mind this and stuff." And even Fabinho wasn't in position. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that's if that's a, you know a problem that we have. But yeah, if you guys also want to have a go, that would be awesome. Yeah, you'd be so insightful. I, I the questions around here. No, I, th- I think it's a really, really good point. I mean, Marco, I'm going to come to you. I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on that midfield. I think we had some concerns about, you know, the, the stale midfield that you kind of alluded to. I mean, you know, Milner, Hendel and Fab, it just doesn't work. There's a lack of creativity. I think we were really excited about having Jones in there. I mean, I see where Kay is coming from. But for me, in the second half, I, another thing that I kind of noticed was... um they were kind of quite um palace for me um i felt like they were kind of trying to expose our right hand side a fair bit yeah i think the the, the midfield it's it's sort of a, a, a how long do you have question really uh and i'm assuming one disclaimer that i'll have to that i'll have to pose is uh we're not going to talk about midfield decisions uh um in respect to transfers and whatnot not that there's a transfer window going on or anything Look, no, I would, no. Um, I would say this, right? I think that when you are in a situation where you've you've got what you've got, and you're trying to sort of force fit certain players to fulfil certain roles, and it doesn't necessarily fit 
whatever their skill set is or whatever their 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 current trajectory is from a from what they're capable of doing. Um, as an example, someone like Henderson, I mean, it's 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 a bit strange, uh, especially at my age, to think of Henderson as being old and like losing yards of pace. But yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember Henderson when we first got to the club, and it kind of like occurred to me watching this game, like, damn, this guy's slowed down a lot, hey? So it's 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 elements of that that just suddenly make you realize that it's those little margins that suddenly make that midfield just a lot less effective. But also depends on what you're asking them to do, and I think like okay, you're talking about the eights not being uh, uh, sort of fulfilling their, their step. I think to some extent you can make the same claims for Fabinho. But also think like you've kind of got to, I'm really worried about the centre-backs. Uh, Matip made some very strange mistakes today that I haven't seen him make for a while. Virgil van Dijk. last week as well, which is really, really strange. Yeah. Uh, mm. Virgil van Dijk is, he's, his awareness seems off and and that's a really harsh criticism to make of the guy because he compensates for for what few mistakes he makes so well but there's elements of awareness i thought some of his positioning today was was odd so there's but but again like the funny thing is we're making these criticisms about team about a team that is the second in league and with all due respect to everyone else is the best chance of stopping manchester city from winning it so as much as we can sort of hold, uh, shovel criticisms at the defense in the midfield, we can kind of also say, hey, look, Manchester City dropped points this weekend, so you want Liverpool to win because it's the best time for them to do so, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Kay, I'm going to come back to you. I mean, with, with the caveat to your question, um, I do think maybe, like, I think Marcos made a really good point that, you know, Henderson was the steam, the engine, and obviously he's lost his legs and obviously you lose a big factor there and obviously um, things. Another thing I kind of noticed as well, sorry, I'm just going on mad tangents because this is what I do. But another thing that really, really frustrated me about that whole performance with the midfield was sometimes when the midfield is losing, uh, you know, is not controlling and they're losing space. Um, another thing that frustrated me a little bit about this game, certainly the second half, we're talking about the defence there and Marcos just alluded to the fact that, you know, our centre-backs were just having, were having just a bit of a nifty moment. But the high line as well, it felt like they were trying to close the space between the defence and the midfield. And we're very, very good at high lines, no doubt about it. But today, I was, I'm not going to lie, it kind of triggered my anxiety a little bit. They just kept on knocking the balls over the top, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. We saw that actually against Tottenham as well when we just let Harry Winks, who's not traditionally or historically uh, synonymous with that kind of function, but what you know, all he was doing was getting the balls and just kind of knocking it over our high line and doing it to quite a decent level of accuracy. Uh, and and uh, it was kind of worrying again this time, wasn't it? Uh, there, there, were, there were just a couple of things. I mean, I, I think for there, you need to stop those in midfield, as soon as you know that that's happening, you know th- that that's it's it's extremely important. If you have somebody capable of doing that, and I understand, maybe there's somebody you don't really think is going to do it. He does it once, sure, okay, you know th- that's fine. But if they continue, if they, if you see a pattern, you need to be able to get to them and do something. And if you're not going to do something about, it, if you can't, then you need to find some other solution of try. I'm not. I'm not saying I know the solution. I'm saying it's a complex problem. But that we went so long, so long, being so, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, as we went on in the game, it just got like kind of more and more fearful. And it felt like it happened for the players as well. The, the forwards were dropping back quite a lot into the midfield, just trying to help them out to get uh, uh, some kind of foot on the game, some kind of control. You know, yeah. because the, the midfield was kind of, kind of floundering. And then you looked at the midfield and you kind of, when I talk about this collectively, what are you doing in this game? Are you stopping the balls from midfield? Are you tracking the runs? Are you controlling the game? Are you turning the ball over? And for large periods of that second half, the answer was just no to all of them. You know, even, you know, and, and my fave, Fabinho, as well. You know, he, he, he's... He, He's included in that. I don't want to pick anybody in, in particular. I, I know Henderson is, is one that's floating about now. I, I'm just wondering, would, and going back to Marco's point, we don't have all the personnel 
So it's not like Jurgen Klopp can just change out anybody for anybody. Again, it's a, co- it's a complicated problem when you don't have everybody available at your disposal. But something has got to change. I'm not saying, you know, I, I know Jamie Carragher loves to talk about a high line all the time. We can't really just start playing a low block. We, you know, we can't do that. That's just not Liverpool's identity. I'd never want to just Alistair see us going. Well, yeah, stylistically, it does not suit the players. The high line is fine. We, we do well against it, but it's just today yeah. and against certain teams, people are kind of figuring it out. And today, it just gave me a little bit of anxiety. Completely, completely. And we need to look at that because it's happened a couple of times this season. And when it's happened, it's not isolated. It was a continuous pattern from the opposition team. So we really, really do need to find some way to sort that out. And perhaps the answer is just that we get our, you know, our full contingent of midfielders back. Absolutely. And uh, I think it was um, Adam Fagiccioni there in, in the chat saying, if we get Thiago, Mane and more back for Leicester, we'll be laughing. I mean, I think Thiago is the vital cog there. And, you know, of course, you know... You'd like to see a bit more of Naby Keita in that midfield as well. And, you know, just out of curiosity, I mean, like, what would be um, your ideal midfield in terms of um, the, the, the midfield that is fit, is healthy, and you, you realistically see going forward? I mean, I'll come to you first, Marco. I mean, what would be your, your dream scenario? Because I don't think you've, I've never had this conversation with you quite recently with, you know, the, the midfielders that we have at our disposal now, should they stay fit, yeah. you know? Well, let me give you the obvious answer, uh, which would be Fabinho, Thiago and, and Naby Keita. Mm-hmm. But just because I, I, I can't come back to the show and not do something controversial, I, I still think that Trent Alexander on, on the right of a three is way too interesting a concept to ignore. So... As as his career progresses, I'd love to see what what eventually happens, and and I just think because there's just way too much in him from an attacking perspective that makes me think he might be. It's not it's not about him as a defensive liability. Don't misunderstand the point. It's more about what he brings going forward. Because if you think about what Liverpool lacks in the midfield from a from a creativity perspective, I wonder if it's not a way to solve both problems at once. You bring another, eventually one day, an attacking right back that can still do what Trent does. But you have someone like Trent in the midfield just because he's very complete in that. He is he is an unusually gifted sort of player from a passing perspective. Uh, and I don't think he would, he would uh, it would be an interesting experiment. But for now, the lazy answer is Fabinho, uh, Thiago and Naby Keita. Yeah, and then like you said, you've got the two eights functioning. Um, you know the the, the number eight functioning as in, as it should, and then you've got the 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 joy of Naby Keita dribbling through that midfield, and you know Thiago who just literally just gets that ball and just looks up and pings up a precise pass. You know, like there's no in you know he's not an indecisive player, which I think creates a perfect balance. And then if you expect Liverpool to play the high line, and then you've got Hopefully, yeah. Fabinho shielding that perfectly, which is what we're used to seeing Fabinho do. And that also suits Alisson as well. So, yeah, and I think that's quite a nice shout for Trent Alexander-Arnold. We'll have to see what happens there. And what about you, um, Kay? I mean, what would be your kind of ideal midfield before we start talking about the game? No, I love that. I love that from Marco. Uh, that, that is the obvious one, but it's so... It's so compelling to see a run of games from that, isn't it? So I don't have anything different to add to that. I do like how Jones is kind of shaping up. Uh, I, I like how he's going about his business. It seems very kind of correct. And, uh, you know, just in terms of kind of controlling a game in particular situations, you know, o- over time to have a controller type coming in as one of the eights, uh, recycler, kind of genie type of role, not not controller, more like a uh, that type that allows us a bit of flexibility can be an interest, like a, a more complete part of a, a four in midfield that kind of rotates when you want it. But yeah, I mean, the short answer is uh, I agree with Marco. Yeah. Uh, but just, 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 just caveat on my side. I reserve the right to change my answer if Liverpool signs someone interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be waiting a very long time. Like you said, there's a transfer window, but as Liverpool fans, we're not really interested. I can't see much activity happening in there. You know, um, I have no idea what you're talking about. There is no such thing as a transfer window. Yeah, what is you know, it? Do you know what, Nins? 
in South Africa, we 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 uh, like uh, we have when January comes, we have this kind of uh, word for for January called January, J A N W O R R Y, because you know you've spent all your December money and you've gone over, and now you have to worry about all that shit in January, right? And it it kind of feels like Liverpool doesn't have a transfer window. We just have January. <laughs> we just kind of. Pretend it's not there. Hope we can get by as best we can. <laughs> and you know what? Historically, as well, we actually perform really bad in January as well. So it's like yeah. we play really bad and we don't spend the money. And you're just sat there, like scratching your head, pulling your hair out. My mum reminded me, she's like, "Oh, the transfer window's open." And I did a Homer Simpson hmm, and walked off. Like, doesn't affect us. We're not doing anything. <laughs> but hey, who knows? We might be pleasantly surprised. But I, I strongly doubt it. Guys, let's know you're talking about the game and. Uh, Okay, I'll come to you. I mean, Virgil van Dijk, every time there's a set piece, him and Matip always go up and we've been kind of craving a Joe Matip, you know, one of his leggy runs and him to kind of finish it. He got so mm. close uh, against Brentford, but uh, Virgil van Dijk, I mean, what an absolute bullet header. Oof. Oh, man. Oh, wow. I was so shocked that he got so free. <laughs> so absolutely uh, so much space just in opposition's box to do with as he as he wants. Lots of really really good work from our set piece organization to do that. But wow, the way you know when Verge rises and like heads that ball down, and when he's running off and does his little celebration where he jumps in the air, it it just feels like this man. You know that's the colossus. You can't stop him. He's gonna do what he wants. Ah, oh, it just feels he's got so much power and and uh, gravitas. I think I saw he's he's a you know since signing. I think he's the defender with the most goals, hated goals or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, at one point I was actually saying the one thing he probably needs to add to his game is goals. Quite early on in his Liverpool career, and he certainly answered that. It just it was just so wonderful to watch him just do that. And and I think from an opposition perspective, you look at that and and you watch. You watch him fly through there and head that ball in with such a plum, and you kind of maybe start to feel like, "Oh man, you know, <laughs> what do you do about that? What do you do about this Liverpool side?" <laughs> so I think it gives us a lot, and uh, I, I really enjoy that. What a what a header, man! Marco, I mean, what did you make of that? I always enjoy a set piece goal. Uh, they're very boring in 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 principle, which is a weird thing to say. But the reason I like them is because I just firmly believe if you're going to set up a strategy to to win a league like the English Premier League, you've got to make sure that you have as many things in your locker that you that you should have available to to win games. And especially in a situation like this, where Mo Salah and Sadio Mane are not with the team right now, one of the mm. best things you can do is count on goals that don't require you know, some little magician behind you to 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 do something special. And also uh, worth noting as well how wasteful we were on set pieces against Brentford as well last Sunday. Yeah, so it's 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 an important thing to 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 consider because I, again, I'm showing my age here, but I I, I just I grew up watching this uh, Liverpool team struggle against you know a United side that always seems to be able to get like a, a goal from a corner from either Rio Ferdinand or Javier Hernandez. Yeah. Which first of all pissed me off, and second of all just it kind of like highlights just sort of some of the intrinsic qualities that that you often get in a team that knows how to win league titles and i don't think it's a far stretch uh, my memory's bad so but i'm pretty sure when liverpool won the league uh, it's the first time i said this on the show uh when, when liverpool won the league they they actually did have a significant amount of uh, set piece goals uh, mm. relative to what they usually score as well so again for all the for all the challenges we're we're rightly sort of skirting over, the fact that a Virgil Van Dijk can pop up, escape his marker, and score like a proper headed goal very early on in the in in the first half, is is great to see. Absolutely, we're all about the diversity, and certainly when you know our incredible you know front men are away on on Afcon duties as well. I mean, I kind of like um I kind of spoke about this and I was just like it's going to have to be like a shared responsibility now. We're going to have to see goals come from, you know, all the players and of course against Brentford mm-hmm. it was you know Fabinho, Ox and uh, uh Minamino who got in on the scoring action, three goals there and three goals again today and obviously today it was um Virgil van Dijk kicking things off with a set piece and Marco I'll come to you. I mean, 
Today's goals were all very diverse and uh, I I loved the passage of play that led up to Ox's second goal and I I mean uh, sorry his the second goal for Liverpool and two goals for him in two games I mean I'm delighted for the lad I you know it takes him a while to get into the rhythm and groove of things and I know stylistically he doesn't suit playing as um as a wide forward but two goals yeah, it it it's it's a contribution you you won't you won't uh, begrudge. Uh, I big shout out to Robbo who sort of had I mean not not just having the two assists today but just seems to have been on the creative end of a few assists recently. Again, just the way that Palace decided to approach Liverpool in that first half sort of played into it. So uh, obviously there's the corner, but but also Robbo being able to sort of feed a ball like that. They were playing very narrow, so that that far post was they're pretty pretty exposed. Uh, Still had a lot to do. Uh, sort of has to control really well. Hit it on 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 his left foot. Uh, but it's 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 a great goal and and it's important. Uh, and and again, like you say, super diverse. It, it's always nice just to see to see sort of those those attacking elements coming from Liverpool when whenever they do do things like that. Because I think especially when when the team is short staffed as you see now, you're always very grateful when they the team just finds a way to 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 unlock things. Because it wasn't like uh, uh, late in the second half aside, it wasn't like you you had a, a scenario where Diogo Jota was just sort of making things happen on his own. Uh, I thought Firmino for for all his uh, linker play was was pretty muted. Uh, mm. He was he was aiding the build up very well constructively, but not necessarily in a very sort of dangerous fashion. So I think uh, a, a lot of credit has to go to. To, to the to the fullbacks for for the attacking threat and in particular Robo for for the second goal. Absolutely, and I I have to agree when we when we were actually playing really well in in the first half, I felt like the the fullbacks uh, certainly got a lot of joy. Kay, I am going to come to you. I mean, Ox two goals in in two league games. Uh, obviously. It's nice to see him sort of get the minutes, get the goals, and um, it was it was a lovely goal to score. Oh, well, yeah, completely. I, I think he's been finding a little bit of form, performance-wise in general, more so than even just output. Uh, you know, he, he's got a lot of energy in that midfield. He, uh, The way he moves the ball forward is, like, so aggressive. I kind of love it. And it was just nice to see him back after that injury scare, you know, where he, you know, he sort of went off and we were all worried if bad luck was going to strike again. Uh, for the goal itself, uh, you know, just watching the game, the level of dominance Liverpool had in that first half, the way we were moving the ball, as you approach the half-hour mark, you kind of think, we we should be having a second goal here. Yeah. Two goals up would be apt for, for this level. And we, you know, we need to get that second goal and really kind of start putting this game to bed if we're going to perform like this, because we were absolutely flying at, the, at that stage. And that was the definition of overwhelming. Uh, for for a team like Palace that is well drilled, to to be so overwhelmed that Robertson stops and has a look up to who he can pass to, you know, and 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 have his pick and go, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take I'll hit it far post and, and pick up Ox over there. I think that gives you an idea of just how much a, a Palace side that is well drilled was struggling to keep up with Liverpool. You know, at, at, at our absolute best, it's it's that kind of, that's how far we are from uh, kind of the rest of the league outside of City. It, it, it's really just men and boys, uh, notwithstanding what happened later, obviously, when we, when we turned into children. But I love that, you know, I, I was a bit worried about Ox, to be honest. Not, not worried, I was interested to see how he would get on in a front three because usually you want to see him kind of in the midfield, and that's where traditionally his better performances have come in, whereas in the front three, he's kind of looked to uh, struggle to get into the game at times. And I, I thought his whole performance was good. He was making really good runs. Uh, he was occupying defenders. Uh, so, you know, he, he certainly had a presence in the opposition box. And to him, for him to get another goal today, hopefully it just, you know, just keeps on adding up, just keeps on pushing him, because that was, it was really, really good for him. And the more people we can get contributing, even when Mo, Mane, Kate, and them are back, that's just going to be, you know, it's just going to drive the progression even more. Absolutely. Guys, we're just going to take a little quick break. Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? 
With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Molby and Sir Kenny Dalgleish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, we'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms, with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. Welcome back. Um, we're still talking about Liverpool 3-1 win. Um, is myself, Kay and Marco Lopez. And you know what? There was a little bit of controversy. And Marco, I'm going to come to you. I mean, that penalty for Fabinho, got to go there. Was it a penalty? Was was, Go on. I don't think it was a pin. I mean, if... Well, look, okay. All right, 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 right. In in, in the strictest sense of the the law, yeah, I suppose you can sort of make all the arguments around to what extent uh, the the ball's just gone past. Keepers now clearly interfered with the player. The the principle is two things. One, Diogo Jota is not going to catch that ball. Uh, and secondly, at least from my, my take is, he's made a, a distinct movement towards his right, almost towards uh, uh, the Palace keeper whose name is escaping now completely. But anyway, that's why I kind of sort of looked at it and thought like, ah, you bought that, son. Um the thing is, uh, I come from the school of Luis Suarez, who used to, you know, uh, kick balls into people's hands for fun. So I can't really complain much, now, can I? So I think, I think in that respect, not a pain. It's fine. I'll take it. It, it helped win the game. Um, Liverpool were well needing the, th- the third goal by by the end of the first half already. So, uh, but no, Nina, I didn't think it was a pain. Did you think it was a pain? Absolutely not. I was like, what? On earth? <laughs> Why are they even checking it on? To me, I felt like he lost control of the ball, like it was going a bit... I felt like him and the goalkeeper kind of collided together. I can understand why people would argue that, well, there's contact, but the ball wasn't... It was out of um, Jota's thingy as well. For me, it was so, so soft. Um, the fact that it, the VAR were kind of looking at it and then Kevin Friend had to go back to the screen to have a look. I was just laughing. Because last season, we were on the end of so many bad, bad decisions, even against Spurs as well, which is quite recently. I was just like, what on earth? We are very, very fortunate here. I mean, Kay, I kind of got a sneak peek, onto, sneak peek on your timeline. And I know how you feel, but I'm going to give you the floor anyway, because to me, that was embarrassing. But we've had so many bad decisions that I'm going to take that and I'm going to lap it up all day. I felt really bad for Palace, I'm not going to lie, because... For me, it took the sting out of them, you know, um, because at mm. that point it was two one. That was that was never a pen. I agree with what uh, what both of you guys are saying. The ball was lost. Uh, the very first time I saw it, I actually thought uh, Diogo didn't touch the ball, and then the keeper just ran into him, and I was like, "Well, that is obviously a pen." And I saw it again, especially from the reverse angle, and it it's seemingly impossible to just to, to say, "Yeah, that's a penalty," and. When they were taking so long, I'm with you, Nins. I'm, I'm watching this and I'm going like, why are you taking so long? Why, what is there to this? And I think, to, to go with what Marco says, if you're looking at it in a very specific set of frames, totally lacking the context of the move, I think then you say, the keeper hasn't got the ball and made contact with the forward. I, I just think it's so extremely harsh and utterly lacking of context to to give a penalty in that situation. On the other side of it, I mean, where I was so tense. That that game was so tense. And I was so happy we <laughs> we had some level of release from that towards the end because as it was going on, it just it just looked absolutely sure that you know Palace was gonna at least have another big chance uh, to, to score against us. And I don't think my heart would have made, but I cannot remember the last time we got such a decision, you know, like a, a decision that was so obviously wrong where, you know, you, you've looked out and you've seen other teams get it. And, and today was our turn. 
And I think the lesson from here is really that these refs really have to be put to task. What are they doing, man? It's not VAR. You can't tell me that was VAR. VAR literally looked at it VAR and went, ref, you have to come look at this. Yeah. VAR abdicated I mean, the decision. They, they didn't win. Yeah, yeah, they the didn't I think is why they, I, they sent I, it to the, to the screen. Yeah. Then they sent the ref to the, to the screen. And, and the ref's looking at the screen. You're like, what are you looking at? And again, he's managed to completely stuff it up. Um, but man, oh, we, we so, so needed that. And it was unfair, I know. But uh, I mean, it, they say swings and roundabouts. I don't believe that really in the course of a season. Um, maybe over the course of like uh, several seasons or something like that, you can make that. But we benefited from it today. And oh, man, I can't. I, it, it really, really released all the tension from the game. And I think from then on, Palace kind of knew that the game was done, thankfully, and uh, and they didn't have another big chance to score. So, yeah, we benefited, yeah. but uh, bad luck for, for Palace, yeah. Okay, but I would add this. I think that you've got to give uh, a lot of that penalty is also about the the reputation that Diogo Jota has managed to create for himself. And I think um, a significant amount of credit needs to go to the kid because... Uh, I don't know how many Liverpool fans were that certain of his value in being signed from Bulls. Uh, ironically, mm. for mm. very obvious reasons, I should have been one of his biggest fans. I was a bit lukewarm on the kid, so I'm so glad that he's sort of made me grow in a, in a very positive way. Uh, My God, did he step up midweek as well, you know, to get yeah. us into the final? 100%. Yeah. 100%. But, but I think, you know, what's interesting is I think a lot of his reputation sort of uh, creates the opportunity for that penalty because. There's no need actually to try and challenge him there. It's the, the angles. I mean, m- maybe unless you you think he's going to sort of score a, a tight angle, will he? But I just you, you can you can almost just sort of farm him out accordingly. Uh, uh, is 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 my view at least. Uh, so so credit to him. And and look, the other thing is, um, I, I I kind of maybe a cynical comment, but I, I I love any penalty that gets people upset on Twitter. It's <laughs> uh, uh, oh, no, 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 seriously. Any any penalty that gets everyone angry, Liverpool fans, is the best kind of penalty. Please, more of those. I love those, especially if they're, you know, going to upset people who support City or Chelsea United. Please, we love those. Those are the best. Oh, you should have seen. You should have seen my WhatsApp group. There's a United fan just going off. It's like awesome. this is so I disgusting. Obviously, the FA wants Liverpool to uh, <laughs> to get close send to send City, and I'm like, the, which FA is this, bro? Oh, it was great. It was great. I, I will say as well, that ball from Trent. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh, crazy. Yeah, absolutely stunning. But you know what? Um, you know, you just got to be grateful. I mean, I was absolutely grateful that Kevin Friend did a complete U-turn on himself because, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And I'm sat here now and listening to you two gents talk. And I'm sat there thinking it was 2-1. Um, if any team looked like they were going to score, it was Palace. Let's let's just be brutally honest here. You know, um, they really, really did um, ask a lot of questions of us. And if it wasn't for Alison, then obviously we'll we'll get to Alison uh, towards the end of the pod. But imagine it was two one, and we were on the end of a Kevin Friend VAR situation where they're watching our defence. And can you imagine the penalty gone the other way? Oh my God, the stress levels, people. Jeez. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I might have died. <laughs> it would have been that. Depends on who gets cycle. it. It depends on who gets it. If 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 Christian Benteke is 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 winning that penalty, I think you're a lot more upset. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> well, mind you, no, I don't think he's winning. He's not that fast. So, but but yeah. Um, at uh, point taken, Nina. Uh, point taken. <laughs> It would have given me them horrible the thirteen fourteen season vibes. Remember three 0 mm. looking comfortable and then mm. just completely just pissing. Right, girl away. doesn't play for them anymore. It's fine. Yes, this is also very true. This is also very true. But guys, I mean, who? Um, Fabinho, my gosh, I mean, <clears throat> steps up for the penalty. Um, uh, I, you know, Fabinho two goals again in two games for him in the league is incredible and. For me, one of the great things about Fabinho is when he's misses tweets. I, I genuinely adore <laughs> that woman. I really do. She's just, she's like the ultimate cheerleader for Liverpool. And she tweeted today, Fabinho, centre mid, um, striker, 
da-da-da-da-da, she goes off on him, but <laughs> he looks so comfortable on that penalty, and I have to say, pretty decent penalty as well. 100%. Didn't he take... Um... Did he take set pieces for for his previous team? Like, was it was it Monaco? I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, but it was like, Monaco, and I don't recall him taking penalties specifically. But he might have not taken not penalties. penalties. I think I think he took a lot of free kicks. Free kicks. Yeah, I think he did yeah. take free kicks. So that he was mean... like dead ballish, you know, in that kind of vicinity, I suppose. Oh, Mo- it, was Mona it, it, on the field? No, Mona wasn't on the field by that well, time. He came on for Firmino afterwards. He was, he yeah, was kind of warming yeah. up because I was thinking, oh, is Mona going to take this? Because I had to <laughs> on the pitch. Specialist was, sub, yeah. Yeah. It's a good pen, and penalties don't score themselves. A lot of people sort of forget that. So, uh, and I think, you know, one of the wonderful things that Liverpool is really sort of quite, quite fortunate there in terms of having, you know, that, that's been one of the common threads. Uh, the teams never sort of struggled for for that kind of thing, which is excellent. And uh, and to be mm. honest, I mean the only the only missed penalty that comes to mind recently is is the one that Salah recently missed, which you can't begrudge because I mean how many did he score before that? So uh, it's it's a positive thing. Uh, spotted in the chat for four goals in in, in four matches mm. all in 2022. So uh, he's he's having a good run. Uh, it, it's cool. Uh, the team needs is. All the goals they can get from across uh, across the pitch until the the Africans are back. So, yeah, mm. yeah, we're quite happily take that. And um, guys, guys, guys. I mean, I guess what I want to kind of um, allude to. I think we've kind of talked about a majority of the players there. I mean, how big and how crucial is Alison? I mean, my word. I'm going to just say it. He kept us in that game. He really did. I think if he's not there, we lose that one. And it's just great to see him in that sharp form because people were kind of, I don't know, uh, last, last season, he, you know, obviously he was going through a lot in his personal life. It affected his, mm. his, his playing. And of course, he scored that wonderful, wonderful header that got us into Champions League football, my word. And you know, even this season, people are kind of saying, "Oh, um, Alison doesn't look on it." But for me, he was razor sharp today, and I was just so grateful that he looked like the player that we we know that he is. It's got. It's, it's kind play. of difficult for him, right? Yeah. Sorry, Marco, you go. No, I was going to say it's it's it it, it is difficult. Um, it, for me, it's just I'll I'll speak to the technicalities. I'm sure Kay will will speak more to the mentalist aspects. But I think it's just you know. One of the great things about Allison is just he's he's an incredibly good technical keeper. Um, I think uh, a lot of his positioning was spot on today. He compensated a lot for because if you think about it, the goal they score, it's the only one that he actually can't make a save for yeah. fundamentally. Mm. Uh, every mm-hmm. other every other goal, he's 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 sort of anticipating where he thinks the ball goes. Uh, there's the one that's sort of right next to him in the six yard box, which is I mean that's. It's, it's it's not luck. Like he's 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 got to sort of a split second analyze the situation of where uh, a striker is going to reasonably put the, put the ball, and it's 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 an excellent save, uh, just like all of them. So uh, there's very little there's very little that gets wrong, um, and 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 even with the with respect to how the team sort of plays back to him to sort of try and re- reconstruct attacks, you you just tend to find that that he he doesn't he his decision making is not in any way affected. So it's, there's, there's, I, I know a lot of people will sort of try and continue sort of exacerbating the argument who's the best goalkeeper in the world and, and they'll throw up Edison's name and Oblak's name and a few other people's names in there and so forth. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think Allison's decision-making and calm and temperament is rated enough in that conversation. I'm not saying he is the best keeper in the world. I'm saying if you're going to make that decision, you need to consider those aspects because those are very difficult aspects that get missed when you're compensating for certain players who aren't in front of you. Okay? No, I think that's fair. Kay, I'll let you have your say. I mean, like, talk to me about Alison, but even, like, some of those saves that he made as well, you know, just his positioning, just unreal. It kind of, to some degree, reminded me of, you know, when David De Gea was in his peak form and he'd produce Mm. these outrageous saves, you'd be like, how on earth did you do that? You know, like, just getting his limbs to everything. 
Absolutely. And the one thing that does come to mind there is I totally agree with Marco and what he was saying. As a player approaches, he gets himself into such a good position. But the other thing that he's got is just his reflexes are also ridiculous. Yeah. I'm thinking about the header that Robo gave back to him. And he kind of just plucks it out the air. And the way it's Robo casual. spins away. Hey, say again? It was so casual. <laughs> so casual. Robo's mistake, yeah. So Alison casual. made it look so simple. And if you look at Robo, he's wheeling away going, oh my God. <laughs> he's, he, he, I think Robo feels, if that's a different keeper, he scores an own goal. I, like, honestly, the, the way he wheeled away. And he didn't just stop it. Alison didn't just stop. He just plucked it out of the air and then immediately turned around and looked for a, a, a way out, like a forward ball. He, he's just... Uh, uh, one, one of the things I do is, like, especially at the end of the first half, I would go like, okay, who's man in the match of the first half? And I'd like to remember that relative to the second half. And I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, you know, Robo's in strong contention. I, I kind of like one of the two of the things Jones is doing and Ox and stuff like that. And it always occurs to me, Alison never has a chance often <laughs> to put in man in the match performances because he never looks like it. You don't remember him always as having this absolutely critical role to play in the points that you get. And the thing is, a lot of his saves are made at crucial times, and then Liverpool might go on to uh, kind of easily win the game, two or three nil, and you think, oh, that's regulation. It wasn't. It wasn't. Like, Addison made it look regulation. And how much of that time you've got to just spend standing there, waiting for the ball, and not getting a chance to play, and then seconds, you're active for seconds in the game, and you have to put in what is probably the most crucial contribution, because you mess that up. The whole game state changes. Goals always change game states. It, we are so lucky to have that guy. I, I mean, the way he goes on about his business, the, the performances he puts in, the, the absolute calmness with which he enacts his job, it's, it's so lovely. I just, it's so difficult not to love Alison Becker. One more critical point I think I'd, I'd add here is just, you know, you, you've got to look at, and again, this is just sort of the nature of football, right? It's a low-scoring game. You've got to look at the impact that certain players in certain game states are going to to make in a, on a fixture. So Allison being Allison, you, I'm, I'm fairly certain if memory serves, uh, last time this team's lost a game is, is West Ham. Uh, even then, that game, Liverpool probably is still ahead in the expected goals. I think... Leicester was the last um, one they lost, wasn't it? Just... League. Leicester. Oh. Forgive me. Uh, and then I'm going on league. But... but uh, I'm sure we missed Leicester in the league. Yeah, we did. We missed one. Don't tell me I got that wrong. I'm my sorry. bad. My bad, Leicester. You're yeah, right. My yeah. bad. Okay, we I'm, did, I, did, there, there you go. There you go. I, bl- just, I blocked it out. Yeah. But, but I would my, as well. You were awful. Yeah. yeah, because it was Brendan. But 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 again, this is the first game. I I, I just sort of reminded myself in terms of the the um uh, uh the the expected goal numbers. This is the first game in Asia that Liverpool have had sort of. You know, on, on the expected goal stats, it, it's a flawed stat in some respects. But I just found it interesting that this is the first game in ages where, where the results reversed, where, where Liverpool's expected to lose on, on the basis of that stat. And I think what's interesting is the only way that that gets, that gets compensated is by a bit of luck in both boxes. Um, I don't think Alisson's luck, though. I think Alisson is just brilliant. That. I mean, guys, we have pretty much come to the end of the pod. Is there anything you kind of want to get off your chest? Because this is all about closure. I like this show because I talk what I need to talk and then I'm done with it. I mean, Marco, anything that you feel like needs highlighting from the game, a, a talking point, just something you want to get off your chest, do it now. Give credit to Palace. Give credit mm. to Palace. I think they, they, they made a good show of it. They they yeah. definitely played super well. Uh, Elise looks a baller, so... Um, not that we have transfer windows at Liverpool, but you know, it's a thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, let's just hope that uh, the team can sort of. I, I, I know this sounds insane, and and then sort of people uh, look at the conjecture of how incredibly deep the Manchester City squad is, but I see, I still see no reason why this team isn't better than uh, eighteen other teams inside this division. So, to the extent that you can create pressure on Manchester City. That's your responsibility. Do it. That's it. You've got to get. You've got to give yourself every chance to get to the game in April, and then, and then from there anything happens. And if it does, it does. If it doesn't, 
you know you tried, but the last thing you want is to not put yourself in in the running. That's that's your responsibility, and that's something that the team should do, irrespective of all these problems that they have. Nice. And what about you, uh, Kay? Anything you want to kind of get off your chest? Anything about the game? Anything in general? Oh, I'm actually still feeling the anxiety effects of it, to be honest, as we speak. Uh, it might take me a little while to calm down. But w- what I think is, you know, just from a little peek onto social media a little bit, I, I think I think people really need to take Marco's point on board and uh, not, not react too much to what's going on, uh, pointing fingers at players. Not, not, not currently. We have a depleted squad at the moment. Uh, our African players are going to come back soon. And once they're reintegrated and we have a full set of options, I think that's the time you, you, you can really sort of lean in with uh, more long-term uh, criticisms. Uh, for now, I think you look at this game, you say, look, we, we did it. We got away with it. That's three points. We needed the three points uh, to keep the pressure up on, on Manchester City. You take that to the bank and you go again next week. And I think that's what you know we have to do as a fan base as well, really. I love that. I love the, you know, the, the calm, measured talk. You guys should, could certainly, certainly play in that, in that center. We should, we should start a podcast. <laughs> uh, honestly, guys, calm, calm as Virgil van Dijk, you two. I mean, you have anxiety, Kay, really? You should see me when I have it. Literally, it's terrible. I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, let's, Let's stop that. I just think, you know, I'll take the positives from this. I mean, the fact that, you know, our best players are away on international duty. Um, balls have been coming. We've scored six in the league since they've been gone. You know, we've, we've progressed to a final, a first domestic final in a very, very long time. Um, I think the first time we made two, um, made, made a domestic final was in Jurgen Klopp's first season. You know, just take all the good that you can. Because this time last year, my God, we were in such a horrible pickle and it got, it, things went from bad to worse. It's good to see us play pretty decent in, in January as well and get some results. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. And, um, you know, it's international week and it couldn't have come at a very good time. And for us to pounce on Man City as well and hopefully make things interesting. Guys, um, that is it. Um, uh, before I let my panel go, I'm going to get their man of the match. I think I know where everyone's going because uh, I think it's pretty obvious. But Marco, you know what? Just what for one more time for the cheap seats in the back. Who was your man of the match and why? <laughs> Ellison through and through. Yeah. It could have been Robbo. He, but yeah, had had some moments in in the second half, especially that just it's Ellison. It's it's only one. Person. Well, Dell's thrown in something there. VAR man of the match. Um, what about you, Kay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's got to be Alison. Without Twitter. him, we. On Twitter. We... <laughs> I, I don't think we win the game without Alison. It has to be him. I I absolutely absolutely agree with you guys there. Um, it absolutely has to be. Yep, same here for me as well. It's Alison Becker. Um. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you to our excellent caller. Amazing. Absolutely. How awesome are these two? But before I let them go, I'm sure you guys want to know where you can find them on social media. So, Marco, you know, you're back. It has been absolutely wonderful chatting to you. And I'm so glad that we marked your return with a win. And you know what? As well, you know, a Portuguese player to talk about as well, you know, in the team, you know, good things for you. But where can people find you on social media? You can find me on, what's my handle again? At footyml, if I recall correctly. Uh, I'm not tweeting often yet, but don't worry. There's uh, there's a few things uh, finally behind me that mean that I'll be a bit more active. And uh, hopefully a little bit more active on, on this as well. But uh, just humble to be back. And thank you, everybody, for, for having me. Thank you, Nina. It's been an honor having you on. And I can confirm... That it is at Footy ML, so do give him a follow. And what about you, Kay? What's going on with you? Where can people find you on social media? I'm at the kiln. That's V underscore K Y L N. So yeah, I'll be on. Obviously, I'm hanging about Twitter. I don't tweet as much, but I read everything. So <laughs> I will be there if you want to interact. And obviously, on the AI Discord, so uh, you can catch me there if you if you're that way inclined as well. Excellent. Guys, give both of these guys a follow. Um, thank you so much for listening. 
it's great to be back. It's a great discussing of it, uh, uh, you know, uh, a massive win. And hopefully I should be back after international duty and where we can take the mick out of Brendan Rodgers, fingers crossed, and we beat them. But guys, um, have yourself an awesome weekend. Take care. Stay safe. And till next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.